And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. Yeah, great question. You are the power. And you do not need anybody's permission. Great question. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. That is literally a brilliant question. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Before we get to tonight's program, I just want to say that the last show we did featuring our listeners has gotten so many downloads that... Our listeners have become full-fledged celebrities. People are chasing after their autographs. They have their own security detail. I can't even get them on the phone anymore. So uh, please, if you haven't checked it out, listen to it. I think we're definitely going to do a follow-up show next year with more of our listeners. Our future guest for this evening is an individual who I have the highest and deepest respect for. He's somebody whose work I discovered the same year, Stuart Wilde. And he's a metaphysical pioneer. He's been doing things back in the 70s that people at the time thought were radical. And it's mainstream right now, some of the stuff that he was doing. But this gentleman is an incredible teacher. Very honored to have him with us. Let us begin tonight's program. Welcoming back to the program is Mr. Dick Sutphin. He is one of the world's greatest metaphysical teachers. He's also a best-selling author. He's written so many books. He has so many tapes and CDs that you can download. And I'll tell you, I've said it before, I'll say it again. He's had a profound, positive impact on on, uh, my personal development and as well as the show. You can learn more about Mr. Sutton by going to his website at DickSutton, S-U-T-P-H-E-N.com. Welcome back to the program, Mr. Sutton. Great honor to have you with us. Hi, Ryan. It's good to be here. Okay. You bet. Where well, where are you right now? Well, I am in North Carolina. Oh, I, okay. I, I escaped, uh, escaped New York for a little while in case something crazy happens. But uh, I'm looking yeah. for some vortexes that are near here, and that's actually one of the first questions I wanted to ask you about. People yeah. say, well, you know, I want to go near a vortex because apparently so there's places on Earth where there are energetic places – that what you can get an instant vibration rush, or are there, are there places on Earth that are portals to different realities? Well, I haven't experienced the uh, the portal to different realities, although I I hear talk about that. But I know that the um, the places on Earth where there are vortexes uh, of ener- energy, why that's for sure. And uh, boy, we are. I am sitting right here in my office at this moment, and if I go just right around the corner, why, you can see Bell Rock. Anybody who's ever been to Sedona has been welcomed by Bell Rock when they um, drive into the the city of Sedona. And it is an incredible energy. I think we, um, my wife and I, are both addicted to the energy that we have here so well I'm just if you look at a place that has 
physical location on Earth, and there's a lot of horrible things that happen in that particular place. And you think that, okay, there's a lot of residual energy, a lot of negative energy. Could that negative energy actually be offset by the types of crystals that are in the ground? And the second question to that is, are there some places on Earth that are naturally going to be at a low vibrational frequency regardless of who lives there based on the mineral component, based on what is vibrant or oscillating at the um, rate of whatever minerals are in the ground? Well, I, yeah, I suppose I would answer yes to all of that. Um, I know that there are spots around Sedona, as much as Sedona is thought of as a very uh, psychic and positive energy, um, where there are spooks, uh, the jinn, there's a lot of them, but they, they have claimed, um, spaces for themselves, and they don't want you and I to be intruding there. And I know that uh, those folks are not positive towards us in any way. And so, you know, that that would be energy I would uh, want to stay very far away from. So, yeah, but maybe there's somebody else that has a very uh, you know, different reaction to um, the dark side of them. You, know, you mentioned crystals, uh, whatever you want to call them. You mentioned uh, crystals having some significant power. Are there any particular crystals that you'd recommend to people where if they hang on to them, it'll protect them? And um, the second question is that was why do crystals um, oscillate at a certain frequency? Or if are crystals conscious beings that are taking the form? Of a mineral, by chance? I mean, I'm just curious about that. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think they're conscious beings, but I know they contain um, piezoelectricity. And if you were to, you know, I don't know exactly how you do it, but I used to have a a crystal radio when I was a kid, and it was just a coil of wire wrapped uh, wrapped around the crystal. And um, Edgar Casey says, now Casey advises everybody to carry a crystal on their body. You know, they can be a small crystal. Uh, my wife sells large crystals. So, but the, uh, oh boy, let's see, what's the best way to say it? Um, there, there's definitely, if you, if you follow Edgar Casey's instructions, he would have you program the crystal so that this PCO electricity will feed a message, be a message that, um, that you would provide or you'd like to have repeated. And if you programmed it right, um, why it will just, you can stay in your pocket and if you want to say, uh, you're going to experience peace, light, and love, um, and wealth from this moment on, or probably maybe a little bit shorter um, programming, why a lot of people carry those crystals doing that. I mean, I've trained, I suppose, uh, several thousand of them who've come to my seminars out here, So, uh, and I believe it myself. 
I don't carry a crystal right now uh, in my pants pocket, but I do if I'm on the road, if I'm away from home, I will have uh, a crystal in my backpack or something. Uh, Can the crystals lose their their power over the period of time? Yeah. Yeah, they can. So most of the people that come to Sedona, they um, program the crystal by taking it out into the vortex area. And these are very strong um, energy vortexes. And just leave it there for a uh, two or three hours. And ideally in the sunlight. And then you can take it and you hold it in your hand and whatever phrase that you would like sent back to you well you just repeat it just over and over and over again about maybe a dozen times so uh, and then wherever you go if you have it on you you are being programmed with that phrase or uh, a little mantra that you have programmed in your own voice into the crystal. So they need to be recharged, and especially if somebody else has touched them, or even if you have touched them, you know, just over and over in a short period of time, I like to get it reprogrammed again um, in Sedona. So usually, or at least a lot of people who come here, they will um, they'll bring a whole load of crystals so they'll buy <laughs> several of them and um, set to work spending an hour or so just doing programming in the vortexes. Stephen, many years ago when I discovered your works, I thought that you were very cutting edge and you offered a lot of insights that people weren't really going after. I just found it really unique and you have this book called Radical Spirituality. You talk yes. about ways that pretty much defy and buck everything, and I love it. I was wondering, I want to give a couple um, parts about uh, your tips, and you say one of the tips to practice radical spirituality is that um, you know never take anything personally. Your Earth's purpose is to cast away your fear-based emotions. I was wondering if you could please uh, discuss some some of the other um, radical forms of spirituality. The rest All of right. That's, um, I'm going to walk over here and get a copy of the book. That's Robert Downey Jr.'s favorite book, he's told me. He just loves oh. radical spirituality. So, yeah, the, uh, I think it's inside the back cover. And, uh, there's nothing magical about the, um, I think 69 different, um, ways to practice radical spirituality and uh, if you wait just a second I can uh, I can read you some of them get my glasses on here all right radical spirituality number one your earthly purpose is to integrate your fear-based emotions Doing so creates an absence, leaving only your God self to interact with the world. In your quest to attain the absence, you will sometimes 
integrate a fear and become fearful again. And then integrate the fear again. Don't be discouraged because one step at a time, you can build a self-actualized foundation that will lead you to your goal. Number two, everything you think, say, and do creates karma. And that includes the motive, intent, and desire behind everything you think, say, and do. And some of these are um, they're just basic truths that I've sure, sure integrated in my life long ago. And uh, so even doing this and <laughs> sharing with you now, um, you know, is good programming. Number three, karma is the basis of reality. That means you are totally responsible for everything that happens to you. Okay, you know, I want to pause you on that one for just one second because you said everything is a cause and effect. And one of the things we've talked about on the show before is escaping this never-ending cycle of karma. Is there anything you can do to actually break out of the karmic cycle um, as from a human perspective and go on to the next lifetime? Or are you bound forever in a cause and effect, cause and effect, until you basically decide to live a life of nothing where you've got nothing else to come back here for? <laughs> well, uh, some people feel that... Uh that that is a way to avoid having to come back or that's a way to um, come back and then help humanity to rise above uh, all the earthly-based fears and uh, all the negative programming that you've experienced over the whole lifetime you've lived or maybe over many lifetimes, and uh, you'd like to get rid of it. So I don't think there's any one answer for everybody, but um, the idea that you would be an individual who returns, and, um, and then what you do is you decide, rather than uh, reincarnate, you stick around and you start to help humanity in whatever way would be most effective for what you wanted uh, to do to do your part. And I think it's a beautiful idea, but um, at this point in time, I, I sure like being with my wife and uh, family, and I, I'm not ready to do that yet, but yeah, <laughs> that'd be a nice thought, you know, the idea of it. And coming back to one of your other tips about radical spirituality is uh, it was number 11, avoid gurus and religions. They're bad for your mental health, and they want your money. So this is something <laughs> I think it's going to cause some ripples. Yeah, I'm sure that, that's, um, already, that's already caused some ripples, I I'm guess. sure it has, but I mean, <laughs> when people are doing an organized religion, are they, uh, is there anything positive that can come about it. Are they going to be limited to their evolution as far as spirituality goes? I mean, because it seems like they're, are they only going to be confined to what the religion will say that they can get to a certain point? Uh, I'd like to think that that uh, is not true. <laughs> but uh, it seems very often that you're describing uh, the way it is. So... The, you know, it depends. Every religion is different, and uh, 
some of the religions that uh, I'm sure going to like better than others. Why? Um, I, but I wouldn't want to even name a names. You know that this one's better than that one, and this one's better than that one. I think that um, probably more than anything else, I just advise that you pray, uh, and that's that's really um, important. And then send um, send the light. You know, imagine the God light, and send it to um, those that you. Um, you might not be getting along with. Um, send it and share it, and uh, and then pray. You know, be if nothing else, prayer sets an intention uh, really into your mind. And you know, uh, who are you praying to? When you're casting a prayer. Are you praying to to God, uh, a being that is outside of you. You're praying to God, a frequency that you're a part of. What are you doing when you're casting? prayers and casting intentions for prayers? Well, it would be to me, and I can only answer for myself and my wife, because I know um, we oftentimes, uh, I I can't say every single night, but um, we will often pray together. We'll use a double-terminated crystal. That's a crystal, uh, quartz crystal, and it has a point at each end, so it's uh, it's a regular round crystal, about probably three quarters of an inch um, around or thick. And um, we like it with the uh, the double terminated, and a lot of people use that for prayer. And um, I think my wife prays a little different than I do. Uh, she will pray more than I do. And she certainly can um, generate an effect, but she will see it more as a God light. And I know she sends that light out to a lot of people. So um, I'm I'm not praying to a particular entity, although I guess I am naming uh, naming God or uh, asking for the white light. And I call in Jesus every once in a while, too, although I'm not a, uh, a Christian in the classical uh, sense. So I, I don't like getting stuck on the fact that uh, this will really work and that won't work, and you should call Jesus or you should call God. You know, I know that a lot of people will call uh Guardian angels, and boy, I've um, I've had some experiences in that area. Uh, so what that happens? Have really what, been how have they been? Would the angels come to you? Are they were they visual? And um, no, we, we were. Uh, I was told, in fact, a, a woman who's a good friend. She lives in Connecticut. She and her husband just left today. They've been with us uh, staying here at the house for, um, I guess, almost a week. And she writes a lot of books, and she writes a lot of books about angels. And um, she was saying, because we were needing the help of um, some angels, it seemed, to her. 
And she was saying, I suggest, uh, Richard, Roberta, I suggest that you uh, call in Uriel and you get to know Uriel. So, um, you know, that was basically it. And so uh, Roberta said to me one night, she said, would you like to, Richard, would you like to meet Uriel? And uh, <laughs> she said, sure. Now, I didn't know what was going to happen. I I am better these days because I practiced at it and practiced at it. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, I might have seen just a glow in uh, the corner of the bedroom. Or it, uh, you know, may have seen part of an angel or, uh, you know, it's, nothing is um, predetermined. But in this case, my wife, uh, we were going to bed and we sat down in bed and we got a backboard behind the, or a headboard we can sit in uh, against oftentimes if we're just sitting in bed watching TV. But this night... We both sat back and were doing a little deep breathing, and we were holding the the crystal that I just mentioned. And all of a sudden, the room started to fill up with mist. And I kid you not, and we both saw it. We both experienced it um, absolutely. And it started the whole room right at the level of the floor, and it just came up off the floor Jeez. and the mist. And when it got to my legs, which were stretched out in front of me, why I started to, uh, my legs started to vibrate like, you know, at such an intense uh, vibration. And uh, we both were saying something like, oh, my God. And... We closed our eyes, and then Roberta was saying, Richard, he's he's moving behind us. And sure enough, you know, the mist and the vibration were now all the way up my arms. And and then it was felt like he, like Uriel, had wrapped us in his wings. And it was just this wonderful sense of peace. Um, I don't want to sound like a religious <laughs> nut, you know, but it was really a fantastic experience, probably one of the best I've ever had in the field of metaphysics. So uh, it lasted, whole thing probably lasted only about, uh, you know, three, four minutes maybe. And... Uh, then the vibrational effect just began to dissipate, and I opened my eyes, and uh, Roberta opened hers, and I don't know what we said, but it was like, oh my God! That's pretty amazing. That? Now, when that was happening, and you, if you were feeling and remembering back when that was, was happening, were you sensing at all that this angelic being? Could have been you from the future in a more highly evolved state. Did you sense at all that it could be an ancestor? Did you sense at all that it actually could be a f- visual manifestation of all the love and peace that you've been projecting into this world, taking on the form of a conscious being that surrounds you? 
Possibly. Possibly, man. You know, I, w Roberta and I, we work with so many people. Um, and like my wife says, I, she will not discount anything anymore. She, uh, she, she distrusts and, you know, this, I would be less inclined if I, if only one of us had had the experience, but we both had the exact same experience at exactly the same time, sitting there holding a crystal in our hands. So, um, you know, when two different people are having an absolutely similar experience, why I give that a little more credence than I do the other. But I, I would never say it couldn't have been those things, because I think it certainly could. That um, the idea that somebody could, uh, or we have the ability, um, I would imagine, to call upon all of the um, the good things that we've experienced in life. And it could be uh, a way of feeding that back. Or in other words, Archangel Uriel um, was just uh, a reflection of, um, and his energy provided us the experience. Maybe somebody else would have met uh, Uriel and... Um, and had a totally different experience. And, and Uriel's kind of scary because, you know, Roberta and I work with Archangel Michael all the time because we do a lot of private work. And if the individual that we're working with um, has any entities, earthbound negative entities within their body, why we have to clear them. So we call in uh, Archangel Michael, and he work, we working with him while we clear the entities, and uh, Michael sends them back into the Godlike. And so, but he explains what's going to happen, and here it is. And uh, I don't think he ever forces anybody to experience, but um, we've learned that um, when Michael is in your presence, you feel like you're surrounded with so much love, uh, it's almost impossible to, to imagine it. Uh, you just, he just has an aura of love, and, uh, and he shares it. So I think that when he takes the people to the light, um, they really don't have much choice because he just makes them feel so good. And um, people believe him. You know, they always seem to believe him. And so when it's time to go, why, it'll be um, the person that we're doing this form of uh, release with, um, they just really can't resist saying yes they want to go uh, we have had some people 
who haven't wanted, but almost everyone wants to leave with him. So when they leave, are they physically? Is it their darkness that's going? Or are they physically going in? It's physically. It's simply going to the light is the best way that I can um, imagine it. I will say, "All right, Michael, you know, take them to the light." And uh, the, the person who's actually experiencing this, he can usually or she can usually. Uh, see it happening. I don't ask anybody to believe, you know, that it's happening without them being able to see it, to experience it. So, <laughs> I, uh, I got some wild things, I guess. I don't didn't mean to talk with you on this. No, but. no, I, I'm glad you went there because, you know, I was curious about St. Michael because I've heard a lot about uh, Michael the Archangel and I know that in Catholicism they talk a lot about uh, St. Michael. He's the one that uh, delivers people from the devil. Devil, the the, the big, big... uh, What is the difference between how uh, Michael the Archangel is perceived in uh, Christianity compared to how you perceive him? Well, that would be um, basically basically the same way. Uh, Now, Uriel is, you know, one of the four or six, depending upon how you're counting, but uh, he is, um, he looks over hell as well, which the idea of that is a little spooky, so that was my only hesitation, but when my wife said, well, you want to meet him, why, uh, you know, I'll call him in and we'll see what happens, and, um, but that he, he locks, you know, he is the head of hell and controls that, even though most people would think that would be the devil. I mean, believe me, Archangel uh, Uriel is certainly an angel in every sense of the word, as far as Roberta and I are concerned. So it would be very much the same, I would say. I don't know if I can say that for all of the... um, for all of the angels, but my experiences with Michael and with Uriel, I, I certainly would. And there's this angel that people talk about as the quote-unquote devil, which is Lucifer, and I've always wondered, I've, actually, I, be, I believe this, or feel the same way, that um, that maybe there isn't a quote-unquote devil, that Lucifer is a symbol that humanity can look at all the darkness upon itself and kind of lay blame to, like Lucifer is the figure or being that humanity will say, listen, that's respond. That's all the reason why there's so much evil, but it's not us. Do you think yeah. do you feel that way possible, or is there? I mean, is Lucifer actually an angel that that's actually pretty good? That's just kind of bad rap. <laughs> no, I, I don't think. Uh, I I, th- I think he's not too good. You right. know, that's my <laughs> my uh, belief after. Uh, you know, working in this field for as long as I have, uh, the dark side exists. And boy, you know, it's better to not not join that side. Better to stay on the uh, on this side of the veil. I can't, I okay. guarantee you. Well, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because there are some 
like religious institutions, they say, well, you know, you got to follow our way, do it our way in order to, you know, avoid the dark side. Well, if you look at some of these religious organizations, some of the members and especially the leaders are doing some really dark things, especially with child molestation, um, and you know, they're doing something oh, that's very yeah. corrupt. And I'm like, well, why? How can that be a way to go away from the dark? And I almost feel like it's the it's the perfect trap for the dark to get people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very likely. You've got to be uh, very careful with all this stuff. And um, if if anything, why I feel much stronger about all of this and about um, the repercussions if you are not, um, if you decide to get involved, you're probably making a decision that's not the best decision. I, I can't find, I, uh, sometimes we will get some, some people who are sending us negativity. And, um, boy, you know, it's, that's a horrible thing to do to another person. Now, with my wife and I, we will we will uh, use some very loving techniques in the sending of light, the God light, and so we're not going to hurt anybody. But if we are being attacked, and we will we've experienced that uh, many a time, um, we have our own way of dealing with it. But boy, the people who are um, are making the decision to get involved in that sort of work. I know there's white witchcraft, and that's a very different thing. But uh, as far as the negative, the black witchcraft, boy, you are making a big mistake. Yeah, I was just. Thing that you know, people are involved in black witchcraft. I'm sure someone's listening and say, "Well, listen, I don't do black witchcraft, but I'm sure that people on occasion, I'm going to say myself included, you get upset, you yell at people because maybe they're they're driving you crazy or they're trying to fringe upon you, and it just absolutely not. If you curse someone's name or if you do something to kind of block someone out, are you practicing some form of black witchcraft by doing that, even though you're not theoretically speaking, uh, going into uh, a metaphysical practice of trying to hurt that person, but are you starting to do it? And is there a difference between intentionally trying to hurt someone because you resent them or are jealous of them, or intentionally trying to hurt someone because they're coming after you and trying to harm you and harming your family? Well, those are two different things. I, uh, I mean, you... I would suggest that you may do um, things that will help to um, to keep them at bay, to keep them from hurting you or your family. Um, and so that's a lot different than uh, if they're really trying to just get you. That's a, a very, very different thing. And so I'd be very wary of that. But um, I wouldn't become involved in that at all. And so we always choose to just send them the God light, to imagine the God light and to send it to the individual and uh, or ask 
you know, in a prayer for those people. But don't get involved in sending them negative stuff because with the you're using the excuse that it's your um, you're doing it to protect your family. You certainly have a right to protect you and your family, but I would do it in a so much more of a positive way than to uh, imagine a lot of the black witchcraft type of uh, ways of dealing with it. You know, some people will say, well, I um, I will imagine that um, their energy that they're sending to me, why well, I imagine that it will bounce off and go to some mountain lake and um, where it will dissipate uh, harmlessly. So that would be a much better way, I think, to uh, to deal Do with it. it. If somebody yeah. is sending you negative energy or you're under psychic attack, are there any uh, signs that you should be aware of, that your telltale signs that somebody is, is sending you negative energy? And also, this is the second part to that. Does a person who sends you negative energy, is that eventually going to come back and bite them in the ass and are they going to get it twice as bad? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. There are certain types of um, dealings with that side of the veil where uh, they say, you know, you, your health may go to uh, go down the tubes within about uh, five years if you do very much of that at all. So I, I would avoid it like the plague um, just to, you know, not get involved because there are other ways. That's That's real. We've experienced the reality of that type of attack, and after a while, we can ex- we can uh, tell when we are being attacked. And so, so, how do you know if you're being attacked? Is it a feeling? I mean, uh, could it be? But how do you know the difference between a psychic attack and and just you know, being not having enough sleep or, or and being dehydrated or having some um, you know. Subconscious trigger for an event that may yeah. have happened years ago. What's the difference? How do you know for sure that you are under a psychic attack? Well, you're not going to know for absolute sure unless you have a probably a very good working relationship with your spirit guide. Your spirit guide is with you um, from the time you were born all your life until you die. Your spirit guide is there. Your spirit guide will. Uh, help you to remain on the path that you've uh, come to earth that you want to walk. And so, um, that, and you'll, you'll sense, you'll have a good sense. But sometimes you can, um, I had a, I had a, um, an attack. Uh, this was some people that were doing it purposely. And boy, there's a bunch of weird people who um, who do this without thinking twice about it. But anyway, the um, what I got was this um, uh, poisoning. Uh, it was like uh, I kind of can't think of the type of poisoning, um, but um, I, it was finally my wife. I was trying to teach a seminar and. 
I could hardly even think by the time it was the end of the day. And um, my wife said, I'm taking you to the hospital. And we got into the hospital, and they did um, some tests immediately and found that I was um, oh, Solomon, no. The, Salmonella? Uh, no, not Salmonella, the, um, or the heavy-duty one. But they said, well, you've got, you know, your body is, is poisoned right now. And um, it could be that it wasn't an attack, but we found out uh, shortly after that there was little doubt that it was anything but a psychic attack. So as a result, you know, they said you could have died within about an hour if your wife hadn't brought you in here. So I don't think people can interfere with your chart you know they're not i probably something would have happened to cause me to have to go into the hospital if that's what it was going to take um so i don't know that i was going to in danger of dying i hope not but um that's a that's a typical way that you could somebody could send something and uh you know, my wife and I, we eat the same foods. She didn't have anything like this in her body. And it had been for uh, about three days. It had been building up in there and getting worse and getting worse. And uh, until I was really, I couldn't hardly uh, bend over. I, and I couldn't teach anymore. So um, you get you get to know when... Um, it's time, or if you have somebody that is, <clears throat> they're not happy with you, or they're, they might be attacking you, and psychic attack is very, very real. So, um, you know, that you get to know and feel, but you're going you're gonna to have to probably go through it quite a few times before... Uh, you get to recognize it. So yeah. I don't know if that's a good enough explanation. Um, I know with the gal that was just here with us this week at our house, this ended up being a uh, uh, one evening we started talking about um, any new cases that we'd experienced or... Um, or the woman had experienced, and, uh, you know, they, even if you are, you've done a whole lot of um, work in the field, why, um, you can still get caught up in this. And I know that uh, with Rosemary, I'm talking about the woman's name is Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Yep, we've had her, and, we had her on a show about uh, two months ago. Oh, well, good, good. I probably had uh, talked about her before. You, <laughs> you just did it. You found her and... Uh, yeah, we found her. It, it was kind of weird. It came in. They, 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 hey, there you go. That's something positive. Awesome. <laughs> she's very very sweet, yeah. Yeah, she's wonderful. And she's the one who was um, on the uh, case where 
uh, I was being poisoned as such. Wow. You know, not purposely, but, you know, the type of blood poisoning you can get, like salmonella or or blood poisonings like that. Why um, she had recognized, she said, you got to go to the hospital because she was doing a training with me um, here in Sedona. And um, so that's how I ended up taking it seriously. My wife and uh, and she went, demanded I go. It was all there was to it. I had no choice. But uh, she's written, now Rosemary has written a lot of books. And, boy, she's got some books that are not for the faint of heart. Uh, but for anyone in the uh, helping services field to have that knowledge, why, um, it would really be a value to read them. Well, let's take the opposite road. Say, for example, you want to send a lot of peace to someone, and you want to accelerate and magnify the peace that you are projecting upon that person. What would you say would be maybe two or three um, light enhancements to magnify the power of your prayers for that person. All right. Well, I would uh, visualize the person very, very vividly to the full degree that I was able to do it, Ryan. Um, I would see them in my mind. I would, um, I would try to explore how they uh how they look uh how they feel if they're around um you at a time i would um i would try to imagine how they speak and then i would send the god light i would manifest the god light in my own body which would be a matter of seeing this light filling up my body, and um, then I would release it. I would, you know, send it out, and um, as a result, why I would then I pray for them too. I would um, I would pray and hope that they uh, they receive the prayer. And I would um, ask them to feel the type of peace that I was projecting. So that would be the most direct way of sending the God light to someone else, having them receive it, and uh, very likely um, maybe even recognize that you were the sender. So you might get a phone call from them a half hour afterward, and uh, they would say, "Well, I'm just—I was just thinking about you, or I had these warm thoughts about you, and and so on." Oftentimes, uh, that does happen. <laughs> no, I think it's great. That's really great because now people can learn to, to magnify it. Yourself, and you've worked with hundreds, maybe thousands of people over the course of your life and helping them to heal, helping them to grow. I'm curious, what do you notice anything similar compared to the people who you've been working with, say, 10 years ago, compared to right now? Are there common similarities in terms of problems that people are facing? Because I'm wondering if the vibration of the earth 
or uh, humanity's advancement in technology, maybe for the good or to the detriment, have had an impact on some of the problems that people are experiencing right now. I didn't know um, what your thoughts were about that. Yeah, well, I have. There's, there's no doubt that I have uh, experienced that. Um, people seem to be very troubled uh, at this time, and um, an awful lot of people are um, feeling that they are really going through um, challenges, real challenges. And so I would say that. I would say that um, there are people who uh, now, who at this point in time, that... Um, that I have no patience. There's, um, I sometimes think in terms of the um, the individuals, like they, they talk about the millennials and oh. different types of people at this time. So um, oftentimes it seems that it fits into that category. Um, but boy, people are angrier and... Um, they uh, and they're unwilling to take no. I've got a sense that uh, there's an awful lot of people who feel entitled at this point in time, like the world owes something to them, and um, so they're expecting you to um, fulfill it. A lot of people are expecting you to fulfill. Um, the things that uh, that they want, like you automatically owe it to them. And I don't know if this is what you're talking about primarily. Yeah, just just you know, it is what I'm talking about. Saying that there's a thing, the difference between some of the problems that people are facing now that we were facing ten years ago. Uh, yeah. One thing I remember reading about something you'd written was that when people experience suffering, it is a spark for change or it could be a spark for them to you know, engulf and develop more wisdom. In today's yes. society, do you think that a national or global catastrophe could actually be something in the long term that would be great for humanity because maybe it would force humanity to rethink a lot of the principles they've been focusing on for so long that maybe have seemed to put people at a much sad, much more sad position than they are? Yes. Yes, I do. I think it very well could be. And I don't, uh, I don't have specific cases that I would, uh, could give you right now, but, um, I think that that's very, um, much a possibility that people, uh, don't recognize the uh, situation for what it is. In other words, you know, any bad situation has got possibly a good situation behind that. And so um, there's some stories, metaphysical stories, about um, what has happened as a result. And uh, I wish I had some of them right here to uh, to tell, but uh, I don't right at the uh, at this point in time. So you experience in working with some of the energies? I, I know that it's probably difficult to make predictions uh, because I'm sure the energy of the earth is constantly changing, but 
if you're looking right now at the trajectory of humanity to where things are going, do you ever get a sense of an idea of where humanity is heading in this phase? Do you think that humanity could be on the verge of some dramatic change, either in the form of uh, you know, having this nationwide or worldwide realization that we are not alone in the universe, that we're going to come in contact with some other civilization, or we're going to experience some kind of economic tragedy that knocks things down. We've talked a lot about that on our show before, but we're, yeah. we're just looking to see if there's any specific type of event or, or event on the horizon that we should be aware of, we should be preparing for. Well, no, I can't, uh, I can't say that there's anything specific, although at different times I felt there were, I felt that, uh, we were coming into a, uh, a time when there probably we were going to be dealing with uh, a lot of natural catastrophe. Now I'm much more concerned with uh, all of the the things that are going on, the migrant stuff, um, the uprisings that appear all over the world at this time. So... um, I can't say that I can foresee anything in particular, but I think it's a very dangerous time that we are in. Um, I think that things have changed a little bit where it's safer now, um, and as a result of some of the um, some of the election things that have happened and so on, um, I feel we're a little bit more stable. I hope that ends up being the case. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, I'd sure like it to be a little bit calmer, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Seth, I'm really time for two more questions. One of the things I've always told about people about, I love telling people about, it, is your fantastic self-hypnosis CDs and tracks that people can listen to at night. I've told yeah. them how powerful and how effective they are. I've downloaded some of them. And from your perspective, why does subconscious programming work when a person is sleeping? And um, do you find that a person has to believe in you or have faith in you before they have faith in the idea of what you're going to convey? Or do they need to have faith or the hope that what you're going to convey on one of these CDs, such as weight loss, such as better health they have to have faith in that first well they don't have to um, have I always tell people that um, you don't have to believe in hypnosis or self-hypnosis for it to work Um, you all you have to do is to be willing to listen to the program and I still believe that uh, Ryan I really do the the fact that you are Willing to, um, of course, you can do it in person with a hypnotist. Nowadays, um, I have a, so many different um, uh, programs. I, we have actually about 900 different programs. So that I've got programs for most things. And um, it's not that I can't come up with more because I... Uh, the minute I relax my mind, I start thinking of other programs that could help people. But if you are listen, willing to listen to programming, 
that you'll listen to it every day, maybe in the morning, maybe at night, maybe twice a day, three times a day if you want, um, it will work given time. And they, the suggestions have to be um, phrased in a positive way. So, you know, that's, it's very important how the suggestions are worded. But with that in mind, if you are willing to listen to whatever they are, whether it's weight loss or you've broken up with somebody and, uh, you know, the suggestions uh, suggest that you um, get over it and handle it and, uh, and tell you to feel calmed down and relaxed in it is. And new opportunities are going to come into your life. And, you know, positive suggestions along that line, they will definitely work. There's no doubt about it. And it, um, there's no magic about my voice. I think it's, you know, I've studied this for uh, most of my life. And um, so I know that I've phrased them right. And um, I know that um, I try to project a warmth and musical sounds which are really hypnotic music, just very relaxing sounds. And um, they work. They really work. And uh, they would work for, I feel, anybody that believed them and wanted them to happen. You have to want the thing to happen. Uh, you have to believe that uh, you are going to manifest it in your life. But um, that you, you've uh, set the intention um, in effect, and you're now willing to uh, to work on it and bring it into your life. It's very much the same thing as praying. You know, that's uh, certainly a positive way to go about the same thing. But you have to have patience, and you have to be willing to do it, and. Uh, well, I know my wife does it, and uh, it's amazing sometimes what uh, doesn't seem like we're going to be able to solve, and we turn around, and uh, it just it's just magic. It's just manifests in our life. So that's a very short <laughs> version. <laughs> if you think of... All of the pieces of wisdom that you've bestowed upon humanity in the entire course of your life, what would you say would be the one quote that you think is probably the most uh, spiritually provocative or the most powerful? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, All right, we'll say, we'll say, we can, how about we'll say three. You can have up to three. I don't, want you, I, don't, I don't want you to feel the pressure. I know. I say I've got so many, uh, Ryan, that I. Um, Wonder well, wisdom erases karma is certainly um, one of my favorite sayings, and um, so I probably just leave it with that because wisdom, um, if you learn through wisdom, uh, you might you can solve the problem, a karmic problem, uh, something that you have programmed maybe for lifetimes. 
But wisdom could be the going in and exploring in your mind, finding the cause that's behind this, and uh, and then if you're at fault, why asking for forgiveness? Um, so wisdom erases karma, I think, would be my very favorite. Mr. Dick Shuffin, legendary <laughs> metaphysical teacher, Great, great teacher. You learn more about Mr. Suffin by going to his website at DickSuffin.com. Suffin's also a great author. He's one of the most influential teachers I've ever had the pleasure of speaking with. And I have to tell you, to speak with Mr. Suffin right now, I mean, even though we've talked to him three or four different times, it's always surreal. I just I still can't believe it. Uh, Mr. Suffin, hey, buddy, thank you so it's much. It's really fun. I always look forward to when you and I are going to do a game. Uh, gathering like this. I really do. Great. (laughs) So anyway, until next time, okay? Got it. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of the Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to dearly beloved friend and teacher, Mr. Dick Suffin, and special thanks, as always, to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show Virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Lisa Kaza, and Ms. Constance Dallas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so much for listening. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.